0: Good morning, welcome to Axios Today. It's May 19th, we made it to Wednesday. I'm Nyla Budu. Here's how we're making you smarter today. Why so many Hispanic people in the U.S. want vaccines but aren't getting them. Plus, a call for better police training. But first, today's one big thing, pro-Palestinian protests in Michigan. Thousands of Arab Americans took to the streets in Dearborn, Michigan yesterday, protesting President Biden's support for Israel. This came as Biden visited the city to talk electric vehicles from a Ford plant. Sarah Rahal is a city reporter for the Detroit News and was there and watched all of this unfold. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Nyla. Sarah, what are you hearing from the community now and what brought so many people out?
1: So there were... Th- three marches in total yesterday, which encompassed the entire part of downtown. There were probably between 1,000 to 2,000 protesters in total. Um, There were marches on Saturday and Sunday. And in total, people estimated thousands of residents showed up to support Palestinians in their effort, including um, a diverse group of Middle Eastern people, Jewish people, people of multiple faiths and backgrounds. People are really anxious with a lot of family that are still overseas, feel exhilarated that there's actually some momentum in the United States. Uh, With Joe Biden visiting Dearborn on Tuesday, they felt that it was the perfect time to get their message heard. Can you explain sort of the demographics
0: of Dearborn for people who may not be familiar?
1: Dearborn is home to the largest concentration of Arab Americans outside of, or in the United States. It is, a majority of those Arab Americans are Muslim. Um, There are plenty who are not, but it is a little home of the Middle East, especially the east side of Dearborn. You go through and there's um, plenty of restaurants and supermarkets that just have Arabic writing. You feel like uh, it's a little slice of home for a lot of these immigrants. Um, this is something that was installed a long time ago when Henry Ford um, built the assembly line and said, come to Dearborn for $5 a day and build cars. And immigrants took advantage of that. A lot of people have been here for generations, and I am one of those people who are a first-generation American to go to college and get a good education and be an American. Um, Not because my parents came for Ford, but they found a community here.
0: Do you feel like that message over the protests, not just from yesterday, over the past weekend, is a very clear message that Arab Americans want to send, particularly the White House?
1: Yes. A lot of people have been direct. A lot of them have been university professors, scholars. Abdul Al-Sayed got on the stage today and said,
2: Who here believes that it's high time that our tax dollars stop getting spent destroying innocent children's lives in places like Gaza and Jerusalem?
1: A lot of people who are trustworthy in the community, people that we look up to as community leaders, are speaking very heavily against. And this community backed Joe Biden about 70%. Um. this past election. He did a lot of heavy campaigning here. He promised a seat at the table. They remember. But they don't feel like they had that seat at the table yesterday.
0: Sarah Rahal is a city reporter for the Detroit News. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. We'll be back in a moment with new data about unvaccinated Hispanic adults in the U.S. So much of the conversation around vaccines these days has focused on vaccine hesitancy, which is why I found this stat so striking. One in three Hispanic people in the U.S. want to get vaccinated as soon as possible, but are having a hard time making that happen. That data comes from the Kaiser Family Foundation. Samantha Artiga is its director of racial equity and health policy and with us now. Hi, Samantha. Hi, thanks so much for
3: having me today.
0: Samantha, how much more likely are Hispanics to want to get vaccinated compared to other racial groups in the country?
3: So, as you mentioned, our latest report shows that one out of three unvaccinated Hispanic adults say they want that vaccine as soon as possible, and that's twice the share of white adults who have not yet been vaccinated yet. The data really give us a a sign that there is an opportunity to boost vaccination rates and close racial disparities in vaccinations uh, among Hispanic adults. What are the racial disparities among vaccinations with Hispanic adults? As of last week, about a quarter of Hispanic people overall had gotten at least one dose compared to 40 percent of white people across states that were reporting vaccination data.
0: So why is it that Hispanics are less likely to get the shot?
3: Two thirds of unvaccinated Hispanic adults say they have concerns about missing work due to side effects. And half have concerns about paying out-of-pocket costs for the vaccine, even though they are available for free. We also know that even though all individuals are eligible to get the vaccine, regardless of immigration status, and that getting the vaccine does not carry any negative immigration consequences, some Hispanic adults also have immigration-related concerns.
0: What can be done to bridge this gap?
3: So the report highlights certain strategies, for example, providing paid time off to get and recover from getting a vaccination, having the vaccines being available at places where people usually get healthcare, or directly on work sites. There also are ongoing information needs that are important to fill in terms of increasing knowledge of eligibility to get the vaccine, where and how to get the vaccine, and making sure that people understand that the vaccines are free and available to all people regardless of their immigration status.
0: Samantha Artiga is the Director of Racial Equity and Health Policy at the Kaiser Family Foundation. Samantha, thank you. Thanks so much. Yesterday, a North Carolina district attorney said Elizabeth City sheriff deputies were justified in the fatal shooting of Andrew Brown Jr. last month. Andrew Brown is one of many black men killed by police that have led to intense pressure for police departments to have different training for their officers. As we approach the one-year anniversary of George Floyd's murder at the hands of Minneapolis police, we're joined by Axios' David Nather with what's next for police training. Hi, David. Thanks for having me. When we say different training, what are we talking about?
2: Um, Police are getting more interested in different types of training to provide alternatives to use of force. These are things like de-escalation training to try to take the situation down a couple of notches before anything happens. Implicit bias training. There's also a newer kind called duty to intervene training, which is supposed to train officers that when you have one of your colleagues using excessive force, you actually are supposed to intervene and try to stop it.
0: Is there a national standard? for all of this?
2: There is no national standard at all. And in fact, some of the police and training experts that I talked to said that's a big problem that it leads to this patchwork of training across the country, different standards. Even if police departments offer, say, de-escalation training on their own, they may offer a lot or a little, or the quality may vary wildly across the country. So they're saying this would actually be a good time to set some minimum national standards so that we can have more consistent professional standards for police across the country.
0: So even though activists might expect to see change soon in police departments, will that happen?
2: Probably not. The training experts I've been talking to have been saying that uh, the one year since George Floyd's death is just too soon to expect even increased training to really have a big impact. We might have to wait several years to see if it does.
0: Axios's managing editor, David Nather, Thanks, David. Thank you. that's it for us today. We love feedback. If you want to email us, our address is podcasts at axios.com, or you can always find me directly on Twitter and message me there. My handle's nyla Voodoo. If you want more news before tomorrow, you can always check out our afternoon podcast, Axios Recap. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.